Uh, it's good to be with you. My name is David, and I serve here at Trinity as lead pastor. Uh, Merry Christmas to those of you that were able to join with us in person tonight. And we know many of you are joining us online, and we're so glad that we're able to serve you in that way as well. You know, Christmas Eve is my favorite service of the year. I love Christmas Eve, and one of the things I love about Christmas Eve is just there is this tangible sense of expectation in the room and, and, and hope and excitement. And I know for kids it's the hope of the presents that are under the tree and hoping that they'll get the thing that they've been asking for and bugging mom and dad for the things that they're wishing for. For some of you, it's the hope of being together and being with family. Certainly this year, the hope of good health for all of our family. In my house, a lot of our hope revolves around our food and what we're going to eat. And uh, at, at, tonight, as soon as this service is over, we're going to go home. And I ordered from my favorite, one of my favorite restaurants in the whole country is a place called Cat's Deli in New York City. And I ordered from Cat's Deli some pastrami that came in the mail, and it's just waiting there for me. When I go home, I got their pastrami, I got their uh, Russian dressing, I got the sauerkraut, I got the Swiss cheese, I got the rye bread, I'm ready to go. And when I get home, I'm gonna make the biggest Reuben sandwich I can figure out how to make and fit into my face. So a lot of our hopes are around that. When we talk about hopes, we also have to talk about fears. And it's 2020, so I probably don't have to talk too much about fears. You've lived it. You, you know what you've gone through, um, the fear of a simple cough or sniffle, uh, the fear for family, the fear for those in our family who um, maybe are exposed or um, just maybe in a stage of life where it's potentially more dangerous for them. And then there's the financial fears that we've felt this year and the social fears and the political fears and just <laughs> a lot of fear. And what I love about the Christmas story is it's very honest about hopes and fears and Earlier tonight, uh, Jennifer read for us the passage that we're going to talk about from Luke chapter 2, where the angels show up to the shepherds in the field. And I love this scene because I think it has something very significant to say to us about hope and about fear. And the first thing I think we learn in this story is that our fears are actually worse than we think. I know it's not a very positive way to start this talk, but this is what we see in the story. Our fears are worse than we think. You know what's interesting is that in the Christmas story, whenever the angels show up, whether it's to Zechariah in the temple or Mary in her home or the shepherds in the field, they always have to lead with the same line. Don't be afraid. Relax. Don't panic. And I was thinking this week, why is the reaction to these angels always fear? And there seem, there's some obvious answers. Uh, I think it's just the shock of it all. I'm sure if an angel showed up to you tonight, you would be startled, a little put off, a little, a little, a little fearful. Um, the supernatural breaking in on the natural, the unexpected, the unknown. But as I was thinking about this week, I thought maybe that's not, maybe none of those things was the greatest source of their fear. My family and I are about two weeks into be, to being the owners of a little puppy. We got this little guy, Mickey. He's a, we think he's a beagle. He's a, he's a mix. He's a rescue, so we don't know yet. We're going to find out. But he's a beagle, and he's very playful. And if you have puppies or if you've had puppies, you know that puppies, as fun as they are, they have a lot to learn, right? And one of the things with Mickey in particular is he doesn't know what he can bite and what he can't bite, what he can nip and what he can't nip. So it's okay if he nips his toys, but if he bites my hand, it's not okay. And so we're trying to teach him the difference between biting us and biting his stuff. And it's interesting because if, if my girls are playing with Mickey and he starts to nip at them, they'll tell him to stop, but they have their soft little voices and they're so sweet and they're just kind of like, Mickey, don't do that. No, stop. Don't do that. And Mickey doesn't always respond 
to them. And so then Aaron has to step in sometimes. And so she'll come in, my wife, and she'll say a little bit more harshly, a little louder, a little more firm, Mickey, don't do that. But sometimes he doesn't even listen to my wife, and then I know it's my turn. And when I come into the room with my baritone voice, and I say, Mick, no, he immediately freezes. Whatever he's doing, he stops, and he shrinks down, and he looks up, and there's fear in his eyes. And I, I don't know why he, you know, dogs are smart. I just think instinctively know, like, maybe it's the tone of my voice, maybe it's just the masculinity that I ooze, I don't know what it is, maybe, maybe that's not a joke, I don't, maybe, the, maybe it's, he's identified me as the alpha male in the house, but he immediately freezes and his eyes fill with a little uncertainty and fear, and I think in his little doggy brain, what he's thinking is this, what have I done, because I'm not convinced he knows when he's doing bad yet, but what have I done to escalate this situation to this point where he's had to step in? And when the angels show up in the field that night, I wonder if the shepherds thought, how serious have things got that this has to happen, that angels have to show up. It's not enough anymore. God's done a lot throughout the Old Testament to draw his people to him and to form a people for himself. But finally, it gets to this blessed night and God himself steps in and says, it's gotten to this level and now I have to step in. And you know what that tells me? It tells me that our problem is worse than we think it is. Our situation is worse than we realize. Our fears are worse than we think. If God himself had to step in, then that means that the solution to our problems and the peace to, that our hearts desperately need, it wasn't going to be found within us. It wasn't going to be found with our best efforts, with all of our working together, with society at its absolute strongest and sharpest. It still wasn't going to be enough. And we sang earlier tonight one of my favorite lines from a song that I considered a Christmas song, but come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and our sins, release us and let us find our rest in thee. You know what? I so identify and connect and resonate with this word, with these words, because I have fears that I need to be released from. And I have sins that I need to be released from. And just like you, I'm looking for rest. This has been a year where we've all been looking for rest in lots of different ways. And when God showed up that night and said, my son is coming, Jesus, the Messiah, it reminds us that our fears are worse than we think. Our problem is worse than we could have possibly imagined. But God is showing up and he's going to do something about it. The answer to our fears isn't found here. It's not in us. It's not through natural means or human efforts. Here's what the Christmas story means. Listen, the help that we all need had to come from outside of us because it was never going to come from inside of us. Our fears are worse than we think. But also in this story, here's the good news. Our hope, our hope is better than we believe. And there's two things in the story that we have to pay careful attention to or we'll miss the whole point. The first thing is what the angel said. And the second thing is who they said it to. Let's look first at what the angels said. So the angels say in Luke 2, verses 10 through 11, I bring you, speaking to the shepherds, good news that will bring great joy to all people, that the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Messiah being the one that the Jewish people had waited for for thousands of years, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And, and leave this up for a little while, because what I want us to see is that the angel said, I bring you good news. And I don't know about you tonight, but I... I I can't help but notice what the angels didn't say. I'm so glad the angels didn't say, I bring you good advice. Here's how to live better. 
Here's how to do better. Here's how to save yourself. Here's how to fix yourself. Here's how to get along with each other. I'm so glad the angels didn't bring good advice because good advice, what happens? The pressure is still on me. In fact, the pressure is ratcheted up because now I have good advice to go along with the things I need to do. But the angels didn't say I have good advice. They said I have good news. Now, sitting in my fridge at home right now on the top shelf is a huge standing rib roast. My mom's favorite steak in the world is prime rib. And so tomorrow I'm going to make prime rib. And it's sitting there and I'm dry aging it in the fridge. It's going to go in the oven tomorrow morning. I'm going to slow cook it for hours, get it right to about rare, medium rare. And then I'm going to broil it. And it's covered in salt and pepper and garlic and thyme and rosemary. And then I'm going to make au jus and horseradish sauce. Anyone want to come over tomorrow for a piece of prime rib? (laughs) If I was about to cook it tomorrow morning and Gordon Ramsay walked in my house, with a mask on, of course, or Bobby Flay walked into my house, or some celebrity chef walked into my house, what I wouldn't be interested in them saying is, hey, I have good advice for you. I'm going I'm to sh- tell you how to make this the best prime rib you've ever had. What I want them to say is, hey, I have good news for you. I've come to do this for you. <laughs> Get out of the way. You're clumsy. I'm going to do this for you, and it's going to be the best prime rib your mom has ever had. Jesus didn't come to this earth and say, I got good advice for you. Here's how to live. He said, I have good news for you. I've come to do it for you. If we had unlimited tries, we wouldn't get it right. But Jesus Christ, in his one and only life, came and he lived perfect in our place. And that's the good news of the gospel. They didn't come saying we have good advice. They said we have good news. I also noticed that they didn't say, I bring you the good life. All of us have some vision of what the good life is. You know, uh, what we're aiming for, what our hearts are directed towards, what we love most, what we, what we want. Well, I was listening to a podcast recently, and uh, a famous uh, late show, a late-night show talk host named James Corden, he, he was actually being interviewed by three famous actors, Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. And they were interviewing him, and at the end of the interview, they said, all right, well, we're done, James, thanks for being such a great guest. James said, hold on, hold on, can I ask one question of you guys? And I thought, this is going to be maybe something funny. These guys are all kind of comedy actors. I think this would be a funny final question. Instead, he says, have you guys figured out how to separate yourself from your work? Do you guys have a sense of who you are apart from your performance, your your last acting job, your last critic's review? How do you know who you are apart from all that stuff? I thought, that's kind of heavy. And to my surprise, they all said, well, yeah, we, we think we figured it out, actually. And every single one of them said, we used to be that way. What critics thought of us, what people thought of our career, our last job, our next job, it was the first thing in our life. It was most important. But we've learned that we can't attach our value, our worth. We can't place our hopes in that because it's just an exhausting way to live. And so now all three of them said, instead, what's first in our life now is family. Now, that's noble, and I think that's probably better. But what's interesting is none of them said, I don't have a first. They said, I have a new first. Everybody has something, we'll call it the good life, that is first for them. And Jesus didn't come to say, I'm going to give you a new life to chase after. He came to say, I am the life 
that you need. He didn't come to show us the good life. He came to live the good life and to give us the life that is found in him and him alone. And many people go through life and they choose one of two paths. If you think about the people in your life, most of them fit either on the good advice path, these are the rule keepers, or the good life path. These are the people who break the rules to get everything that they want. And interestingly enough, sometimes people who grow up in a good advice family, they reject that and they chase the good life. And then you have some people who chase the good life and later in life they realize it's not found there and then they go back to good advice to trying to be religious to trying to be good to trying to help others but here's what i'm trying to say neither of those things is what jesus came to offer us not good advice not the good life but good news <laughs> and the good news is the gospel that jesus christ did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves the last thing i want to say tonight is we need to consider who the angel said it to they came to the shepherds now why is this so important the shepherds were nobodies. I mean, they were lower than nobodies. In fact, in this time in history, a shepherd would not even be allowed to give testimony in a legal uh, case, in a court case, because everybody thought the moral fabric of a shepherd was questionable. You can't ever take a shepherd's word. Shepherds were, I mean, they, they lived and worked with sheep, so they didn't smell great. <laughs> they, they weren't inside the city very often. You know, they were not educated. They were not influencers. They were relative nobodies. And the angels show up, and look what they say to the shepherds. They say, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth. This is the good news of the gospel, that God has come to bring peace on earth, peace between humankind and God, and peace amongst ourselves. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. To those with whom God is pleased. And if the angels had shown up to a room filled with royalty, kings and queens and princes and princesses, or if the angels had shown up to a gathering of the influential, the wealthy, the wise, the famous, the celebrities, then for the rest of the time, we would be left to assume and conclude that those with whom God is pleased are the best of us, the best of the best. But listen, when the angels showed up to the shepherds and said this, it means it's for everyone. It's for all of us. And when they say glory in the highest, they also are saying glory in the lowest, to the lowest point of humanity and to the lowest point of your life. God is reaching and he is pulling us in to express his glory in us so that we can experience the good news of Jesus. It came to the shepherds. Now, as I finish, what makes this hope better than all other hopes? And what makes this hope that I'm talking about tonight better than all other hopes is that this hope is not something that you can earn. You can't work your way in, so you can't work your way out. You cannot qualify yourself, but you also cannot disqualify yourself. This hope is a gift. It's the same like the gifts you're going to open tonight or tomorrow morning. It's a gift that we simply receive and we are thankful for. And we live our lives differently in the light of this hope and this gift. Now, how do we respond? We got to look back at the shepherds again. Maybe you're here tonight and you would say, I, I don't consider myself a Christian, or on the, uh, my faith journey is maybe different than other people in this church. And what I would say is put yourself in the story and be the shepherd. And what I mean is this. After the angels were done singing and the shepherds get to kind of gather their wits back, they looked at each other and they said, let's go check it out. They didn't say, if they said it, it must be true. They said, I want to go check it out and I want to see this for myself. And if you're here tonight and, and you're saying, I'm not sure about all of this and I've heard this before, but I don't know if I believe this. My only encouragement to you is this. Be a shepherd and say, I'm going to check it out. Don't have an opinion based on someone else's opinion. 
Don't have an opinion based on just a couple bad experiences. There's been so much research done this year to show that people don't read anything really anymore. They read headlines. They don't read articles. And people have opinions about headlines and opinions about other people's opinions, but people don't do the hard work very often of actually reading and understanding an issue. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is not a man to not have an informed opinion on because of the radical claims that he made and because of his, because of his impact on history and countless lives. Be a shepherd. Keep looking. And if you claim this faith as your own, then be a shepherd also. Because once the shepherds went and saw Jesus with Mary and Joseph, what did they do? They went and they told everybody. <laughs> they could not tell people. They knew that the Messiah was there. And if this is your faith, and I'm not asking you to be obnoxious with your faith, but I am asking you to live a life that helps other people see the beauty of this story in you and the way that you live. Listen, I know this isn't the Christmas any of us imagined a year ago. I know that. But it might be the Christmas that you need if you'll consider the simple truth that our fears are worse than we think. We can't get ourselves out of this. But because of this story, because of this night, because of Christmas, because of the birth of Jesus, our hopes, our hope is so much better than we would ever believe. Because our hope is not in a thing, a philosophy, a creed, an experience, an accomplishment, even in a religion. Our hope is in a person. And his name is Jesus. And we celebrate his birth tonight. Let's pray together.